Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody, a special episode, episode number 200. I started this podcast almost two years ago to the day. And on this show, we'll reflect back on some of my favorite interviews, the memories in the last two years. But first, I want to talk to you about New Works Plumbing. I want to thank them for being with me from day one of this endeavor. New Works Plumbing, awesome. They do it all. They're available 24-7, so if you happen to have an emergency in the middle of the night, no problem. They will be there for you with their 24-7 service. I want to thank those that have reached out over the last two years to tell me that they have used New Works Plumbing, and they've thanked me for talking about them on my podcast. And in return, I say no. I thank New Works Plumbing for sponsoring this podcast and, again, being so good to me and so loyal to me. And again, if you have any plumbing issues, plumbing repairs, plumbing needs, uh, just go to newworksplumbing.com. They'll be there for you. That's N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. All right, big announcement. Coming up on Monday, I'm going to start a new endeavor. I'm going to be live on YouTube. Yes, indeed. I'm going to be coming to you live on YouTube at 3 o'clock Pacific each and every day. Sean Salisbury is going to join me twice weekly to talk about the college and the NFL, and we'll mix in some baseball as well. And the one and only Jerry Reynolds will be making a weekly appearance with me on my live YouTube channel. Same site, if you don't like that, with Grant Napier. And a guy that has really caught the attention of a lot of my listeners when I do my daily show on Listen App, Ryan in Sacktown, or as he goes by, Rhino in Sacktown. He'll also be doing a segment with me on my YouTube Live channel. Really looking forward to it. It starts coming up on Monday, October 3rd. Sean Salisbury, Jerry Reynolds, and many more guests coming your way. You'll also have a chance to uh, hit the chat line with me. We can go back and forth, and I'm really excited to start that. It's interesting. I'm starting that show two years pretty much to the day that I began this podcast in 2020. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't even know what I was doing. I had no idea about how to put this up on various podcast platforms. I had no no idea how to edit. I had no idea how to even record my podcast. And I want to really say thank you to Jeff Holden in Sacramento because uh, Jeff 
is uh, really an expert in doing podcasts, and he goes to a lot of seminars across the country, and he really is up to speed on everything podcast-related. He actually edited uh, my show for the first couple of months until I could learn how to do it myself. He walked me through step-by-step, so I owe a real big thanks to him for kind of holding my hand and showing me how to do all of this. I've always said, you know, if you haven't done anything before, it's new, and you need to have somebody uh, to walk you down the road and tell you, yeah, do this. No, don't do this. This will sound better. No, that doesn't sound good. I've tried to do the same thing. I've always tried to pass it on. You know, two of my episodes, I had, you know, Ryan on. I also had Nando, who is uh, doing great with his Miami podcast. He's based out of New Jersey. And, you know, they always thank me for helping them. And I'm like, well, no, I, I, I appreciate you thanking me. But the reality is I've had a lot of people that helped me along the way. And that's what life is all about. You know, you got to help out your fellow man. You got to help out your neighbor. You got to help out. All right. When someone comes to you and asks for some advice, you know, you need to make time for that individual. And I've always tried to do that. So thanks to Jeff for really getting me started on a podcast that has uh, surpassed my expectations. And when we talk about expectations, you know, I didn't really know about getting guests. I'm not sure when I first started this, if I would be able to have a lot of guests or just a few guests. And I was so proud when Charles Barkley agreed to be my first guest on this podcast. And Charles was one of the first people to call me back in June 2020 when my career was turned uh, upside down. And Charles was phenomenal. And when I reached out to Charles back in September of 2020, I said, hey, Charles, I'm starting a podcast, and I would love it if you would be my first guest. Uh, He was more than happy to do that. And I'm grateful to Charles for getting this podcast rolling And then Dusty Baker, another individual that I have so much respect for. Anyone that knows Dusty has incredible respect. And that was such a memorable conversation for me because I asked Dusty about leaving California as a young man uh, to go to the Deep South in the late 60s. And he talked about, you know, in the minors, how when they were on the bus going to road games, you know, they couldn't get off the bus to walk into the restaurant to eat and that their white teammates had to bring them their food. And I was just like, wow. And he talked about, you know, the racial issues that he faced in that era of our society. He talked about playing with Henry Aaron. He talked about the impact that Henry Aaron had on his life. But my follow-up question was, you know, now that it's 2020, do you see things improving or things better in this country? And I thought his answer was very revealing. He said, you know, in some ways, yes, and in many ways, no. And obviously, I can't walk in Dusty's shoes. You can't walk in anybody's shoes. You can only walk in your own shoes. But the point is, you know, listening to Dusty, listening to his stories, and then talking about how things really aren't that much better all these years later was quite a lesson to listen to, quite an educational conversation that I had with Dusty And so I'm grateful for him and coming on my podcast. I always like to talk about my personal experiences. I like talking about meeting individuals. I like talking about my experience of moving out of Sacramento to a place where nobody knew really anything about me. They didn't know whether, you know, I worked in the airline business or I was a real estate agent or what have you. I was a salesman. No, they had no idea. 
I would strike up conversations with people and it would start from ground zero and it would work its way up. There were no preconceived notions. It wasn't like they were talking to the guy that does the Kings games or they listened to on the radio. No, they didn't have any idea who they were talking to. And they talked about meeting this young lady in January of 2021 at a restaurant on my island. And I was sitting at the bar and I was eating dinner and this young lady who goes by V, was with a guy, and she said, hey, how you doing? She goes, do you live on the island? I said, yeah, I just moved here a couple of months ago. She goes, oh, great, welcome. She started talking to me, and, you know, we were the only three people at the bar at the restaurant. It was a a weeknight. It wasn't very busy. And she said, what do you do? And I kind of hesitated because it was the first time since I had moved from Sacramento to Miami where – Somebody asked me that question, and I wasn't really sure how to answer it, so I kind of gave her a blank stare for a couple of seconds, and I laughed, and I said, you know, it's really a long story. And she said, oh. She goes, okay. I said, yeah, you know, it's just really a long story. I go, it's just a long story. So we talked for another minute or two, and she said, hey, let me give you my business card. I'm having an event here at the restaurant on Saturday. I said, okay. And she said, I would like it if you would come. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll show up. And it was a cigar event. Uh, she teaches figure skating during the week. She's also a real estate agent. And she owns uh, two cigar shops, one at the airport in Orlando and another one at the airport in Seattle. And so I came to the event, and there were quite a few people there. And I stayed for about 90 minutes and met some people. And I decided to leave uh, because, you know, she was busy. And, you know, again, I wasn't planning on staying for the whole night. And I said, hey, I really want to thank you for inviting me. I I appreciate it. She goes, oh, you're leaving? I said, yeah. I said, I'm leaving. I said, "Um, you know, I have a routine. I don't really stay up that late anymore and blah, blah, blah. And she said, okay. She goes, listen, she goes, I really want to hear your story. Give me a call. So I did the next day. We met back at that restaurant. And V is African-American. Her father is from Nigeria, owns a construction company. Her mom is from Louisiana. And we sat there for, I don't know, three hours, four hours. I told her my story. She couldn't believe it. She was blown away. She was incredibly supportive. And that started a phenomenal friendship with Virgily on that night in January of 2021. I'm happy to say that she's engaged and she's going to be getting married soon, not to the guy that she was at the bar with that night. Uh, Her entire family has taken me in. Her father, her mother, her grandmother, uh, her brother, her brother's wife, all of her friends. And it has been an amazing, amazing journey just meeting one individual and all of the people that I've met because of her. And we've all talked about the issues that are facing our country. We've all talked about Black Lives Matter. We've all talked about the issues involving the rioting, the looting, the protest. Uh, We've talked pretty much about everything. And I shared this story that there was only one person in in her entire circle of friends that I met that thought that I should have lost my job. Only one. 
Only one. All of her other friends couldn't believe it. They were blown away. They said it was a travesty. And it was very interesting hearing their perspective. Uh, Several of her friends told me they were embarrassed by Black Lives Matter. They didn't want to have anything to do with it. They didn't want to representing them. Uh, I talked about how Virgilie liked to be referenced as African-American because her father was from Nigeria. I did a podcast on another individual I met, David, who had an incredible story that I talked about on my podcast from Philadelphia, and he did not want to be referred to as African-American. He wanted to be referred to as black. I talked about meeting some of Virgilie's friends, and we had a conversation one night, and I brought up that conversation to Sharon and her husband, uh, both podiatrists, both uh, with phenomenal careers that live about 45 minutes north of Miami. And I asked them the same question, and she goes, neither. And I'm like, neither? She goes, no, I'm not African-American, and I'm not black. She goes, I'm Latin. I go, oh, wow. She goes, yeah, I'm from Panama. And we talked about that. And I've learned that a lot of people in America, when they see a person of color, they try to be correct. And I talked about how I got this from listening to difficult conversations with a black man and uh, Emmanuel Acho, right? And I talked about how he was asked that question on difficult conversations with a black man by a couple from the uh, HGTV network. I can't remember their names. And he asked the question, should I refer to you as African-American or black? And he said black. And I, at the time, thought, okay. Well, I found out he's wrong. That's not accurate, okay? That's not accurate. I mean, he might want to be referred to as black, but there are a lot of people of color that don't want to be referred to as black or African-American. And I think that we, when I say we in this particular race, we just automatically want to put a proper label on an individual when we're bringing up someone's ethnicity. And I learned that that's not really proper. That's not really the right way. Now, I'm not saying you should just go around and ask anyone. I've always said, I don't really care whether you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're Asian. I don't care if you're Hispanic. You know what that adds up to? It adds up to all lives matter, every single one. That's how I live my life. That's how I've lived my life ever since I was old enough to talk and comprehend what was being taught me. So, yeah, I, I don't really like to go down that road. However, in meeting Virgilie and meeting her friends And having these really incredible conversations where we would talk for hours and hours and hours, you know, you learn a lot. And these are some of the things that I've learned. So when you meet an individual of color, do not just assume they're African-American. There are many of her friends that are not African-American and do not want to be referred to as African-American. All right. They don't. I, I asked them. I go, oh, gee, I'm really sorry. I hope I didn't offend you. They go, no, I'm not offended. I just that's not what I am. That's not my heritage. That's not my ethnicity. And so it was very interesting in my friendship with Virgilie. I talk about another individual I met in January of that same month, that same year, rather. Alabama was playing Ohio State in the national championship game. And I have a very good friend from Sacramento who's in law enforcement. And I say he's in law enforcement because I salute those that protect us and I appreciate what they do and in talking with him and getting his perspective on being in raids, which he does, and other things where firearms are involved 
and you don't know who's on the other side of the door and protocol and everything else, you know, I think sometimes we do need to try to put ourselves in the shoes of another individual. You should try to put yourselves sometimes in the shoes of law enforcement and their job and what they face on a daily basis. But he's a huge Alabama fan. And he came to Miami for the national championship game. And he's friends with a lot of folks down uh, in Alabama. And they came to the game too. And I met some of those individuals who today I'm very good friends with. One of the guy's names is Daryl. And Daryl was at the Orange Bowl between Alabama and Oklahoma a couple of years ago. And they were tailgating out in the parking lot. And he saw this one car driving around and driving around. They couldn't find a place to park. And Daryl had set up all this stuff next to his vehicle, and he ran after the vehicle and said, hey, come, come park next to us. We'll, we'll make room for you. And so, wow, the guy goes, thank you very much. It was he and his wife. And they pull up next to Daryl, and it started an incredible family-like friendship. Their son plays at Alabama now. Jordan Battle, he's a starting safety on the Alabama Crimson Tide. But when they met, Jordan was in high school. And throughout the conversation, and Daryl being so crazy, he knew about the name Battle because he was one of the top recruits in the country. And Jordan originally was going to go to Ohio State. But after the Urban Meyer fiasco, he left Ohio State after he had committed to play for the Buckeyes, and he ended up going to Alabama. Well, Fred and Tressa Battle, the parents of Jordan, now have become incredible friends. And I had a chance to meet them in Miami the night before the national championship game. At the same restaurant that I met V, we all sat there and had dinner. And I was sitting next to Fred Battle. His wife, Tressa, was sitting across the table from us. And we were probably there for two, two and a half hours. And it was just great to be able to get the perspective of Fred. And he, uh, I shared my story with him. He knew about me. And again, it's just another phenomenal conversation that I had. But think about Daryl, who just offered the parking space to a complete stranger, and they have become incredible friends. And I mean incredible. I mean like unbelievable friends. You know, Fred and his wife go to Daryl's before the games. Daryl has a condo literally right across the street from the stadium from Bryant Denny Stadium. I've had pictures on social media. I went to a game last year with Ole Miss. Again, Fred and his wife were there, and it was great to reunite and catch up with them. But I always talk about doing small gestures, and that's a podcast that really stuck out to me as well. All lives matter, every single one. Cancel culture, the things facing our country. What a sad commentary it has been. Doug Adler, formerly of ESPN, fired by ESPN when doing the Australian Open in a match with Venus Williams talked about guerrilla tactics at the net. And a freelance reporter from the New York Times took to Twitter to say that Doug Adler made a racist comment about Venus Williams. Doug Adler talked about everything on my podcast, talked about the emotions, talked about what he met. It was not guerrilla G-O-R, it was G-U-E, all right? Guerrilla warfare, guerrilla tactics. As a matter of fact, Nike had a commercial in New York City when they put a makeshift tennis court in front of the Plaza Hotel 
Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi, and the name of the commercial was Gorilla Tennis. And Doug talked about how nobody came to his defense. Not John McEnroe, not Martina Navratilova, nobody. Nobody came to his defense until he appeared on the Today Show and was interviewed by Matt Lauer. And the former mayor of New York, Mayor Dinkins, came to Doug Adler's defense, supported Doug, and eventually Doug would reach an out-of-court settlement with ESPN. Shortly after the Australian Open, Doug had a heart attack that was stress-induced, according to the cardiologist, and fortunately he is doing well now. But that was an incredible story listening to Doug talk about year after year doing the Australian Open and basically being canceled just like that. And I really felt, and I told Doug this on the interview, I felt like I was interviewing myself when I was talking to Doug because every answer that Doug gave me resonated with me. And the one question that I asked Doug and the one answer that resonated with me the most is I asked him if after a few years of losing your job for no reason at all and being canceled, are you still bitter? And he said, yes, I still have bitterness in me. And I was like, yeah, I thought so. Because you're not human if you don't have a degree of bitterness in you for something that should have never happened that is life-altering. And I shared my memories with Doug. And that was one of my favorite episodes since I started doing this podcast in October of 2020. I'm also grateful to my colleagues that have joined me on this podcast. The Mike Breens, Ian Eagle, Kenny Albert, Tim Brando, and so many others, Charles Davis, that have reached out as soon as I have emailed them or found their number or what have you, immediately reached out to me and said, yes, whatever you need. You know, Mike's been on my podcast two or three times. Ian's been on my podcast multiple times. Kenny's been on my podcast multiple times. Brando, Charles Davis, all have been on my podcast multiple times. And I'm grateful for their friendship. I'm grateful for their support. And I'm grateful that I have a forum like this where we can talk about a lot of different topics. And then, of course, there are the Kings, where for 32 years, I was their announcer and met some phenomenal people, players, coaches, front office staff, people that work behind the scenes, and incredible memories over those 32 years. And Scott Pollard is a very good friend of mine. I love the way Scott played for the Sacramento Kings. He gave everything he had every time he was on the floor. You knew what you were going to get night in, night out from Scott. I'm thankful for his friendship, and we've had some fun talking about a variety of things on this podcast. Reggie Theus, who I used to hang out with at Confetti's across from Arden Fair Mall when I moved to Sacramento in 1987, and Reggie was one of the real well-known players in the NBA, and boy, he was a hell of a player for the Sacramento Kings, and I got to be pretty friendly with Reggie and the group that moved from Kansas City. To this day, Reggie is a dear friend of mine. 
Love to have him on the podcast, reminiscing about his days as a player and as a coach. Speaking of coaches, Eric Musselman, now the head coach of Arkansas, joined me. We talked about his journey with his late father, Bill Musselman, growing up as a kid with basketball in his life, coaching at the Warriors, the Kings, Nevada, and doing an amazing job in Arkansas with the Razorbacks. Keith Smart, one of the real great individuals that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing, who is now an assistant with Musk, but Keith has been a head coach in the NBA with the Warriors and the Kings, and he's been a longtime assistant coach in the NBA. And I'll tell you this about Keith Smart. If you find someone that doesn't like Keith Smart, let me know, because it will be the first person that I've ever run into that doesn't think Keith is the salt of the earth. We had a phenomenal conversation. He's very open and honest about coaching DeMarcus Cousins. We had a tremendous conversation, as I did with George Carl. And congratulations to George for getting into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame this past class. I'm very happy for George. He got a raw deal in Sacramento. He never had a chance before he walked into the door. He was much maligned in Sacramento. It was not his fault. He had an impossible situation. We talked about that. We also talked about his relationship with DeMarcus Cousins. One of my all-time, and I do mean all-time, not only favorite former players, but just one of my favorite people, the great Spud Webb. To this day, I consider Spud a dear friend. It was one of my favorite episodes on this podcast. We talked about playing with Moses Malone, with Dominique Wilkins. We talked about him winning the slam dunk contest, which is amazing at 5'7". We talked about race. We talked about treating people the way you want to be treated. We talked about golf. We talked about the Cowboys, who he is a lifelong fan of. We had so much fun. And again, it was one of my favorite podcasts. If you want to laugh, if you want to hear a real tremendous conversation, go back and listen to the podcast that I had with Spud Webb. The first ever draft pick of the Sacramento Kings, Joe Klein. The Kings took Joe Klein. They were interested in Carl Malone, but they had Otis Thorpe. Otis is a very good player, but he wasn't Carl Malone, so they took Joe Klein. Joe has been a guy that a lot of the Kings fans like to bag on, but the reality is he had a pretty good NBA career. No, he wasn't Carl Malone, but Joe is just a A-plus individual across the board. And we talked about getting traded from Sacramento to Boston, and the nurse told Joe while his wife was delivering their first baby, hey, uh, there's an important phone call for you. And he goes, I can't talk now. She said, it's Jerry Reynolds. And Jerry had to inform Joe while his wife was in labor that he had been traded to the Boston Celtics. And we shared that story. A guy that I had a couple run-ins with, but always respected, Olden Polonese joined me on my podcast. And what I loved about Olden is he called my show in Sacramento one day. And I had no idea that he was coming on. And he said, hey, listen, I just want to apologize. You know, he goes, you and I have, you know, sometimes we get off on the wrong foot. And I know that you have a show to do. And sometimes I get upset with what you said. And that's how the conversation started. And I said, I said, you know, well, P, I go, you know what? I have so much respect for you. I said, I really do. And I said, the fact that you're calling up and saying that means the world to me. Because we all make mistakes, right? We all, have you found a perfect person yet? The only perfect people are on Twitter, right? Those are the only perfect people, the ones that are on social media. They always come across as being perfect. 
Olden did some stupid things when he played with Sacramento, but I'll tell you one thing. He was a hell of a player. He was steady. And I'll tell you something else. When he played, you knew what you were going to get. The guy busted his ass on the court. He was a blue-collar type of a player. He was part of that 95-96 team that went to the playoffs against Seattle. And I talked to OP about that phone call that day on the radio show. We had a really tremendous conversation. I've always remembered that phone call. I've always been grateful for that phone call. And I was even more grateful for him to come on my podcast. And then, of course, the great Jerry Reynolds and the G-Man, Gary Gerald, coming on my podcast, reminiscing. And I can't wait to have Jerry coming on my YouTube live show weekly beginning next week. I mean, what am I going to say about Jerry and G-Man that haven't already been said? And then we talk about difficult times. We talk about health issues. We talk about, you know, hitting rock bottom. Jim Peterson, who was traded to Sacramento for Ralph Sampson. And Jim is an incredible person. An incredible person. I should say Ralph Sampson was traded to Sacramento for Jim Peterson, but the point is they were part of that deal. And I got to know Jim, and to this day I consider Jim a dear friend. He's the television analyst for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And Jim talked about the day he had a heart attack, and he called his doctor, and the doctor said, you need to get to the hospital right away, and you need to call an ambulance. Don't drive yourself. And Jim is convinced that it saved his life. And he talked about heart disease, and he talked about dealing with that, and he talked about everything that he's had to endure with heart disease. We talked about playing with Akeem Olajuwon. We talked about playing as a All-American kid in Minnesota, going to Minnesota, being recruited by Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, but not going. It was a great conversation with Jim Peterson. Chris Carino, the radio analyst for the Brooklyn Nets. What a story. What a conversation with Chris dealing with his muscular dystrophy issues. What Chris is dealing with is debilitating, absolutely debilitating. It's referred to as FSHD. It's a disease that causes progressive weakening of the muscles. And Chris talks about how difficult it is for him to do his job, but he doesn't complain. Not only does he do the Nets games on radio, he does an NFL game each and every Sunday with Brian Baldinger on Compass Media Sports. I had incredible feedback after my interview with Chris, and I'm grateful for him coming on the podcast. Another individual that really sticks out to me is Tom Brenneman. Tom, of course, lost his job with Fox Sports as an NFL announcer, and as the TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds, his dad, Marty, is a living legend in Cincinnati. Tom uttered a homophobic slur on a hot mic, doing a Reds game, apologized later on in the telecast and was ridiculed and raked over the coals for his apology. We talked about that. He was open, sincere. He was honest in his life from that point forward. And again, it was a very emotional type of an interview to hear his story. I was grateful that Tom agreed to come on and share what his life has been like since speaking that homophobic slur. 
those are some of my favorite interviews. I mean, there were so many others, you know, recently Ryan Anderson talking about what he went through when he was playing for New Orleans and his girlfriend, who was a TV star on the Bachelor show on ABC, took her own life, committed suicide, and Monty Williams and Monty's wife Ingrid were there for him. And then Monty losing his wife tragically in an automobile accident and listening to Ryan talk about suicide and suicide prevention and me sharing a story that happened when Ryan came to play a game in Sacramento one night. That was an incredible, powerful conversation as well. I don't have all the time to talk about all of the interviews that I've had over the last two years, but I wanted to point out some that really have meant a lot to me. There are many others, but I'm grateful for the support that I have from you, from those that have appeared on this podcast. We have had to talk about some sensitive issues. I've been very critical of LeBron James, who I feel is as hypocritical as any athlete in America today. But this form allows me to do that. And then my daily show on Listen App allows me to have feedback in an interactive way with you. And I'm hoping we can do the same thing beginning Monday on my YouTube live show at 3 o'clock Pacific. Hope you can really join me for that. Again, thank you for your support. Thank you so much for being with me every step of the way, not only for these two years, but for the previous 33 of my tenure in Sacramento, beginning as the sports director at Channel 31 in Sacramento, and then a year later as the TV voice of the Sacramento Kings, and then beginning my radio show in 1995. Your support means the world to me. I'm grateful for you. And thank you very much for making this podcast so much better than I ever thought it would ever be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time now for our Crowd Ultra, and I want to thank them for being with me every step of the way. And Riley from uh, Crowd Ultra has been amazing. He's given me some really good tips on podcasting and everything else. So I want to say thank you to Crowd Ultra, and I love answering questions on both Tuesdays and Fridays. Luke asks, who is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL right now? I think it's Russell Wilson. I mean, even in the win Sunday night, the guy does not look good. Think about the money that he's getting paid. Think about what Denver gave up to get him. I think it's him. I would say it's probably him and Jameis Winston. I mean, Jameis Winston's terrible. I'm, I'm tired of watching him. I really am. Charlie wants to know, do you think the Raiders' playoff chances are about over? 0-3? Yeah, I do. I don't think they're coming back from 0-3. Ben asks, who's the best team outside of the SEC right now? Probably Ohio State. But, I mean, we're still in September. It, we're still in the infancy of the season. We're going to start getting into the meat of the schedule right now. So I would probably say Ohio State. Kevin wants to know, does it seem like a bunch of NFL teams are underperforming this season? Yeah, you can start with the Raiders. Who thought they would be 0-3, right? And there are others, but who thought that they would be 0-3? Josh asked me, what's my favorite thing about football? There are just too many things. You know, I first of all love the fact that you only play one game a week. And I like that. I mean, the buildup for the games, 
I really enjoy. But there are many aspects about football that I really like. Rich wants to know, will we see another two-sport athlete in the next 50 years? Probably not. Based on what's going on in youth sports, based on the pressure to play only one sport, probably not, Rich. It's a very interesting question. Martin wants to know, are the Celtics going to be title contenders without Yudoka? Well, Ime did a hell of a job. And Ime worked hard to get to that position as an assistant coach for many years. uh, Many years with Pop in San Antonio and Philadelphia. So they have very good players, right? I mean, I I look at coaching as important in the NBA, but you got to have the players. Do I expect them to get back to the NBA Finals? Mm, You know, probably not. Probably not. But I still think they're going to be very, very good. Again, my thanks to everyone at Crowd Ultra. Just go to CrowdUltra.com and maybe I'll answer your question on Friday's podcast. It's time for And today's rant is brought to you by Sky Oak Capital, a financial planning and wealth management firm. As an SEC registered investment advisor, Sky Oak Capital's primary focus is protecting your assets by mitigating risk while providing returns to allow you to retire comfortably. Just go to skyoak.com. You can take a free risk analysis. Views and opinions expressed by this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Sky Oak Capital. Let me get this straight. Tua gets knocked down. You see his head pound against the back of the turf at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami in the game against the Buffalo Bills. Almost collapses, is wobbly, and they say he had a back issue? Really? I got a lower back issue all the time, okay? I I don't walk like that. Now, I don't walk very well, but I'm not like walking like I just got out of the ring with Muhammad Ali in his prime. The NFL is investigating that, and thank goodness, because that looked very fishy, no pun intended, to say the least. Not as odd, though, as what happened in the Chargers-Jaguars game. I mean, what the hell is Coach Staley of the Chargers doing leaving Justin Herbert on the field in a blowout in the fourth quarter? The game is decided. He's running back onto the field with five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter after fracturing ribs in his last game. I mean, what kind of coaching is that? Herbert, after the game, said he didn't want to quit on the team. Nobody's going to think he's quitting on the team. And Staley said he talked it over with Herbert. Be the coach. You make the decision. You don't let your quarterback make that decision. How absurd is that? In a blowout loss, your quarterback who's playing hurt, and you put him out on the field in meaningless minutes, there's not one player on the Chargers that would have thought that Herbert had quit on the team. Stop it with that nonsense, would you please? But I can't wait for the NFL's investigation into what happened to on Sunday. I mean, that does not add up to me. Your eyes tell a completely different story, all right? The guy hit his head hard on the back of the turf and almost collapsed and is wobbly walking back to the huddle, and you're telling me that's a back issue? How many people do you know that have back issues that walk like they've had two bottles of vodka, all right? Stop it with that nonsense. That's ridiculous. And that's my rant for today. And that is podcast 200 in the books on what is almost my two-year anniversary of doing If You Don't Like That. Again, thank you so much for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Have a great day. And we'll talk to you on Friday right here, if you don't like that, with Grant Napier. So long, everybody. 